Welcome to the Introvertpreneur Podcast. Take a breath because you are in the right place and you can finally stop apologizing for being an introvert. I'm Tara and I've discovered how to thrive as an entrepreneur while being 100% true to myself. Now I want to help you do the same. In these episodes, you're going to find everything you need to build a successful service-based business so you can stop competing with extroverts and grow and market your business with ease. Are you ready? Welcome back to another episode of the Introvertpreneur Podcast. Today on the podcast, I am chatting to Emma Cossey, who is a freelance coach, and she works with freelancers. And she also has a podcast that's pretty amazing for freelancers called The Freelancers Tea Break. I love that name. And she is located in the UK. And we're probably going to talk about a lot of different things. We're going to talk about the overlap between introverts and ADHD, which I find really fascinating. I'm actually sharing a solo episode. It will have already come out when you're listening to this one about how I realized I have ADHD in my 30s. And we're also going to be talking about networking as an introvert And maybe we'll dig into a little bit about productivity and tech tools as well that freelancers can use. So welcome, Emma. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me on. I love it. I love anything introvert related. So I really enjoy your podcast. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about you, your story, kind of how you got started in this business and and working with freelancers. Yeah, no problem. So I have been freelance since 2009. And I think like a lot of people, I fell into it. I didn't even know it existed as an option. And I'd actually left a job in HR where ridiculously, the job in HR was horrendous for workplace bullying. So I left that role. I hadn't intended to go into anything kind of creative or anything like that. I didn't know I was creative. And I joined Twitter and ended up landing a couple of internships in London, which then ended up with me taking on my first freelance gig. And I was very fortunate to have an editor who walked me through the whole process. And it made me realise what a luxury that was to have somebody that can hold your hand and take you through the process. Because starting up your own business and going freelance can be really intimidating. All of the registering your business, the accounts, the tax, the legal side, and even just finding clients and dealing with difficult clients. And so a couple of years into my freelancing journey, I started a blog all about freelancing, how to get started, the things that people need to know. I then launched a 30-day course, which was just an email course at that point to for people to get started and all the practical steps. And that kind of just blossomed into a podcast. And then seven and a half years ago, just after I had my son, I started having my coaching training because I really wanted to go deeper into this and help freelancers because a lot of freelancers fall into freelancing or become freelance because they are introverted, they are ADHD, or they have chronic health conditions, or they've been in a workplace where their confidence has been beaten down. So I wanted to not only help with the practical side, but also the mental side and the wellness side and all that kind of thing. So yeah, that's kind of where I am now. So I think I'm 13 years. My maths is terrible. 13 years freelance and seven and a half as a coach. And I'm really passionate about freelancing, really passionate about how it gives so many more people the opportunity to work who might not have had that opportunity before. And even like this year, I've heard quite a lot on graduates because I don't think it's something that colleges and universities teach. I think they teach very much the the pathways that are great if you're extrovert or very neurotypical. But outside that, there's not a lot of options. So yeah, that's kind of my story, I guess. 
I love that you shared about when you first started and having that person. I think that's so important because a lot of us, if we're starting a business because we're creative, we we don't necessarily have that business background and we don't know what we don't know. So having somebody to help us and guide us is really, really important. Ironically, I studied business as my degree at university and very little of the stuff that I learned there is stuff that was applicable as a freelancer. A lot of it was outdated by the time I went freelance. But yeah, it was just, it wasn't an option and it wasn't taught. And I think it's a real shame. I know. I I find it interesting still how so many people come into the freelance space and have never heard of it before because it's like we've been in it for so long. But there are still people out there who are just realizing that this is a possibility and this is a really lucrative pathway for so many people that is not talked about outside of this freelance online entrepreneur bubble that we've been in for so long because it sounds like second nature to us. But there's always new people coming in. And yeah, having that support is is so important. I think it's quite interesting as well that there is People don't think about people who they probably work with in everyday life who are freelance, like, you know, builders and plumbers and hairdressers. These are all people who are freelance, but it's almost like the label freelance gets more attached to the creative work than some of those kind of traditional services. And I know a lot of freelancers are bucking the trend and trying to use terms like consultant more or well, just self-employed and contractor and things like that. So the language around freelancing is really interesting as well. But I did once, before I had my son, I worked in a college in London teaching young people about social media and career skills. And I asked them, what did they think freelancing was? And several of them thought it was working for free, which was so <laughs> depressing. So yeah, it's there's, there's still a lot of education needed about it, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, I, that's interesting. I wouldn't have even thought about thinking of free when somebody says freelancing. To me, I was just going to say, like, I love the word freelancing because the word free is like how I want to build my business, not in terms of price, of course, but in terms of lifestyle and flexibility, it's freeing. To, to have a freelance business. I could totally butcher this, but I think someone told me recently that the word freelance comes from like back in the day when there were knights and they would be a freelancer. So someone that would work for various different people as like a knight, but they had the freedom to choose who they worked for. Mm. So it's got a long history. Yeah, it's interesting. That's fascinating. So I'd love to talk a little bit about networking as an introverted freelancer. I feel like so many people are like, they have these skills, they have this passion, but then when it comes to actually selling networking, it's like, oh, is this what it means to build a freelance business? So I'd love to hear your thoughts or tips around how to make that a little bit easier for somebody who is an introvert or has ADHD is neurotypical. And I'd love to hear your thoughts around that. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite topics because I'm very much introverted. I was very shy growing up and I come across sometimes as extrovert because I'm quite chatty. I'm definitely not. So there are a few things that I do that make networking easier. So the first thing I do is I always arrive early, partly because I can like sit in the car before and just deep breathe and try not panic. But also, if you walk into a room and the only person there is the organizer, you can go up to them have a nice kind of relaxed chat and they can introduce you to people that enter the room. So you can give them that kind of opportunity. That's exactly what their job is to to help people feel comfortable networking. 
But also it means if you walk into a room full of people, that is terrifying. That's really scary. Whereas if you're the first person in that room, they all move towards you. So that already makes it easier. If you do have to go in a bit later, head towards the like the coffees and teas or the drinks or the bar, just because those are the easiest place to kind of strike up conversation with somebody. And the very best advice I actually had was from my dad early on. And he said, the most interesting people are the most interested. So if you have a conversation with someone, you show lots of interest, you ask questions, you listen, they will come away from that conversation and go, what an interesting person, purely because you've just asked lots of questions about them. (laughs) And people kind of quite like that. And actually asking questions and listening is a much stronger skill as a networker and an introverted networker than going in and feeling like you have to like smash people with your elevator pitch and be really pushy. I find the nicest people are the ones who genuinely seem interested and passionate in other people's businesses and inevitably if you have that kind of conversation people open up and you might then spot an opportunity where you might be able to say oh that's something I can help with without it being pushy so usual being an introvert as a strength you know go in there be interested that's kind of the big ones and also in terms of the follow-up because that's where people fall down don't feel like you have to do loads of pushy emails afterwards just follow people on social media who you've met just generally interact with them on social media, build up that relationship there. So I think those are some of my kind of key tips. But yeah, just don't fall into the trap of feeling like you have to be the loudest, most exciting person in the room. Yeah, I avoid those people. (laughs) I never clued into like showing up early as something that I did intentionally. But I mean, even my last day job, my husband would always say to me, why are you leaving so early? And I'm like, I'm leaving early. So I can get there and sit in my car for 20 minutes before I go in. And also you were saying about your ADHD diagnosis, and I had mine last year actually as well at 36. And people with ADHD either tend to be late for everything or we chronically turn up early to things because we, yeah, we almost over cater over, I can't remember what the word is, but we go completely the other way of always assuming we'll be late for everything. So turning up way too early for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because my husband is is the kind of person who will be like, oh, I got five minutes. That's when I'm heading out the door. And I'm like, that just stresses me out. What if there's traffic? What if something happens? I don't like being rushed. (laughs) And I think intentionally showing up to events early. I mean, I wouldn't have even thought that how to use that to my advantage. I would have just like sat in my car right until the minute, but making it a point to actually go in early is a good idea. It just makes it so much easier. And then you, like I get overstimulated quite easily. So being able to go in there and having a gradual build up of the noise is less overwhelming. Oh, the other thing I probably should have mentioned as well, I always book time in my diary after networking, even online networking to recover because I'm peopled out by that point. So that is something I highly recommend. If you're going in the morning, book yourself out for the rest of the day. You'll probably do a bit of work, but you don't have to be on calls or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially I know with my online meetings and Zoom, my calendar, I have to have a 30 minute buffer between calls. I need that space to just be like, oh, and then prep for the next one. <laughs> exactly. Even today, I had, I was at a client's all day today, and then I went straight to a play date and I got home and I was like, why am I so exhausted? And I was thinking, oh, yeah, because I'm usually at home all day. So I get that buffer time to myself, but I mm-hmm. haven't had any time on my own to kind of recharge. I know you said, mentioned blogging and how you started a blog. Do you still use blogging as like a marketing method or something that you recommend to for introverts? Yeah, definitely. I still do some blogging. No, nowhere near as much as I used to because I tend to podcast more now. 
But yeah, I definitely think if you're an introvert, blogging and podcasting are really useful because you find you must find this as well with being an introvert that sometimes it's so much easier to have a space where you can just share all your thoughts rather than feeling kind of hurried along and things like that. And social media can often feel very hurried, can't it? Like I've got to get everything into a reel and I've got to get everything into like a, a TikTok or anything like that. So it's quite nice to have that space to really go in depth and really geek out on all the details of something. So yeah, I love blogging. I just don't necessarily make as much time as I should for it. I can relate to that. I know sometimes when I have that writer's block too, I will open up a Google Doc and use the voice to text and just talk it out. And then I can just edit it afterwards. So yeah, I think sometimes using our voice and even if that's through podcasting or even talking out your content or your blog post can be really helpful sometimes. I do it all the time. Like I have Vox of myself, blog posts. Although I just discovered recently that Slack's got a much better transcription in their messaging. So I've started using that a lot. And I'm a huge fan of Descript just by being able to record the content, go in there and it transcribes it and then you can edit it within it. So for example, with this podcast, I could go in there or you could go in there and search for a section you want to remove, just delete it and it deletes it from the podcast, the video and the, the actual blog post text. So I love any kind of tools like that that make it easier. Yeah, I love Descript. I need to be using it more, but I found that the first time I used it, it was recommended to use it for editing out ums and the word so, which I realized very quickly in Descript by searching for all of the ums and all of the so's, how often I say that. And then I kind of got in my head for a little bit about the podcast and live calls and all of that. Yeah, it kind of affected how I was creating content with my voice. So I'm not as worried about that anymore. I mean, the way I say so, and that's just naturally who I am. And yeah, I'm working on it a little bit, but it's just me and how I speak. So <laughs> I do the same. And actually, funny enough, this week I did a podcast episode where, because I usually have background music and like this intro and all these kind of things. And I realized that was blocking me from doing content. So I stripped it all back now and I've just got the voice message. There's no editing or anything like that. I will probably go back to that in the future, but I think it's nice to know you can have that option and people aren't going to judge it as much as you think, especially on podcasts where people are a bit more flexible with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's the perfectionism trap that we fall into. Like our content has to be totally polished and perfect, but that's not necessarily what people are going to relate to and connect with. So whatever you can do to make it more simpler in a way that's actually going to get you to take action and get that content out there. <laughs> so I would love to hear, what would you say are some tips for anyone who is freelancing and has ADHD? I said on the solo episode, I realized that when I had ADHD, that I was so uneducated about it and what it would look like. And so I'm curious, I've always want to chat about it because I'm always learning more about myself and like how my brain works. So for anyone who has ADHD, whether they've self-diagnosed or are diagnosed, what are some ways that they can focus building their business around how they work best? I'll probably give some background in mind just so that it gives context. So I was diagnosed last April with inattentive. So I always wrote it off as it not being me because I thought, oh, I don't have any of that hyperactive energy. I do. It's all in my head, not my body. <laughs> so <laughs> I was tired a lot of the time. So I have actually been medicated since August, which has been incredible, completely life changing. So I want to mention that because medication is not for everybody. It's not the right route for everybody. But 
it has had a big impact on how I do things. But the first thing I really want to mention is you probably don't realise exactly how much you are doing and how challenging it is until you write it all down. So here in the UK, we have something called access to work, where it's where you can speak to the government about your needs as a person with ADHD, and they can give you funds for things like ADHD coaching, extra kind of software like mind mapping software and dictation software, but also a support worker. So with the support worker, I had to write down all the things that I do on a weekly basis and what I find really challenging. And that was really eye-opening because I think a lot of ADHD people beat themselves over the head with the kind of I'm lazy and stupid stick. And actually, when you look at all the things that you do, it is incredible, especially when they are challenging, particularly for the ADHD brain. So the first thing I would say is please stop telling yourself that you are lazy or stupid because that is a really, really common one. And you're not at all. If you are truly lazy, and I don't really believe in the phrase, but you would just be sitting on the sofa, not caring about anything. Whereas I think most ADHDers will be sitting on that sofa going, I should be doing this. Why am I not doing this? And really beating themselves up. And there's a real negative voice. And that can be really, really challenging. It really impacts on your self-esteem. That's not being lazy. That's being completely overridden by executive dysfunction. And actually, for me, that was the biggest thing that the meds did for me. It stopped me hearing that constant monologue of why you're not doing this. I could just get up and do things. But I think the big thing I have found is understanding that we don't have loads of dopamine, which means we don't have that kind of ready-made motivator juice that we need. And in order to get things done, we need to find ways to trick our brains. And it's a lot of brain tricky, which is, can be quite exhausting, but it's useful to know it. So I've got on my board here because I have to remind myself, if I'm struggling with a task, I have to work out how to make it fun, novel, competitive or urgent. And this is based on, I'll give you his name, it's like Anderson, his surname's Anderson. This is an ADHD thing, isn't it? Not being able to remember <laughs> someone's name. But I will give you his name because he's got some brilliant content on ADHD. But yes, I have to work out what I can do to make something more fun, novel, competitive or urgent. So let's say you've got to do your accounts. I'll try and work out what I can do to make it more fun. Do I set myself little mini challenges? Do I give myself little rewards every time I do, say, a page of expenses? What's a way that I can make it more fun? Do I roll a dice to decide what I'm going to start with first? How do I make it normal? So that might be going somewhere else. It might be a change of location. It might be going to my favourite cafe and working from there. It might be, it can be something as simple as even like changing my clothes. There's something that makes me feel really good or listening to something like a new soundtrack or something like that. So what can I do that can make it novel or even new pen new notebook that kind of thing and then make it competitive I like this one I'm quite a competitive person so it might be me doing co-working session with someone else and we try and see who can get it done first or even just setting myself a timer and seeing if I can beat it the following week within that I would say body doubling is a huge part I do a lot of body doubling now which if those in the audience are not sure what that is it's basically doing something alongside someone else and it could be virtually or in person they don't have to be doing the same thing as you. They don't have to be helping you. So it could even be, if you need to do the housework, putting a podcast on or having somebody chat to you whilst you do the housework. I'm not sure exactly in the science, but for me, it feels like it's distracting the part of my brain that tells me I don't want to do it so that I can just focus on it. So body doubling is really, really useful for that kind of thing. And then the one that most ADHD people use subconsciously, urgency. So have I got to get it done by the deadline? Otherwise, I'm going to get fine. Have I got to have this in before the client starts chasing me? 
That's the one a lot of people fall back on and rely on. But if possible, your life will be a lot less stressful if you can approach tasks with the kind of the fun novel competitive angle as well. And the other thing was about rewards. It's very hard to reward yourself as a freelancer sometimes because freelancers either don't reward themselves at all or they know what the reward is and then they just give themselves the reward anyway. So one way around that is by bringing in some accountability. And one suggestion I had recently in my membership was create some kind of Etsy list or an Amazon list or some kind of list online with things that you want that are like five, 10 pounds, 15 pounds. And once you've achieved a goal, you can tell another person, say your partner or a family member or a friend, that you've achieved that goal. You can send them the money for it, but they pick from the list. So it's a surprise. So it adds in a bit of a gamifying element, a bit of fun, a surprise, but you can't just give yourself that list. And you can even like give it to them and then remove it from your own laptop or wherever so you can't see it. So yeah, wherever possible, basically gamify. But it's so important as an ADHD to try and find the fun way to do things. I love the idea about the reward list and having somebody else make that purchase. Cause I mean, I love surprises. That's why I have so many like makeup subscription boxes and I never look at the email to like look at what's coming before I get it in the mail. I want to be surprised. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's amazing. And I, I love that you shared at the beginning about, you know, we're not lazy because I definitely felt that with for a while there before I even, and this should have been a major clue for me. My husband used to call me drop and go because he would say, I would always like be doing something and then I'd drop it and then I'd go do something else. And then I'd drop it on the table. And then there'd be all these things that I kind of half started and moved around. And <laughs> I was like, I'm not lazy though. I'm I'm doing a lot. It's just, I always called it, I was trying to multitask, but really it was ADHD. <laughs> I just didn't realize it at the time. Dopamine runs out on those things. So you're like, oh, it's not fun anymore. Let's go do something else. And you don't even realize sometimes you're having that thought process. But it's also that squirrel brain of, you know, oh, there's something else I can do. Oh, there's something else I can do. And in a way, that's great. How great is it that we can constantly be excited every day by new or exciting things or novel things? That's, I think, a real silver lining, really, to what we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I think that's a big reason why I, in particular, love freelancing, having lots of different digital products and doing lots of different things in my business. Because if I was to have to do the same thing over and over and over again every single day, and it would just get so boring. <laughs> I think you and I are both fans of Elizabeth Goddard stuff, aren't we? Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably why, because she's very good at having portfolio and I think a lot of freelancers are great multi-potentialites and they do have lots of different things so that it never gets boring mm -hmm. yeah I find that there's either the ones that are like niche down to one thing and that's all you talk about or all you promote or sell and then there's the multi-passionates that are over here doing all the things and then there's maybe the people in the middle who are trying to figure it out kind of which direction is going to work best for them but do you find also that you're quite resilient in that you'll try things out, but you'll bounce back pretty quick if it doesn't work out? Definitely. Yeah. I'm I'm very big on like trial and error and testing and playing with new ideas and just running with them and seeing what happens and then didn't work, do something else, refine it. <laughs> yeah. So I love it. It's fun to experiment with. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear what are some of your favorite tech tools that you use in your business? Oof, I love tech tools. Okay, so probably the one that has the biggest impact on me as an introvert and an ADHD -er is Sansama. So it's a tool 
where like a to-do list tool, but also it pulls in from Gmail, Notion, Asana, Trello, all these kind of other tools and your calendar. So I can go in it in the morning. I can write my to-do list. It will then tell me off if I put too many things on my to-do list for that day. It asks me to put estimations next to each thing for how long they will take. So then I can slot them into my calendar. Then I can go in my Gmail and I can turn those emails into tasks and pop them into my calendar. And for me, that means I spend less time on my email. I hate my email. You know, I'm just not very good at doing it. So it's nice because it archives it in from your inbox as well. So it's just a new to-do list then. And it means that I can actually schedule it into my diary. It will even show you how, like I can see it here on my laptop. I've got a double screen laptop. It shows me how many ones I've rolled over, how many times I've rolled over, which is quite handy. So I love Sansama. What else do I love? So I've spoken about Descript. Also a big fan of Dubsado because I just love that you can set up workflows, especially as a freelancer, to be able to have multiple different ones for coaching, multiple ones for even meetings, 15 minute chats podcast chats all those kind of things it just saves me so much time like the going back and forth is so hard so that's a big one zoom obviously (laughs) I use quite heavily if we're talking about tools that are great for ADHDers there is a chrome extension called one tab and I could not do without it because I usually have I mean how many tabs do you think you have on average in your browser at the moment um right now I have four different windows with about 30-ish tabs per window. (laughs) There you go. So one tab, you can tap it and it basically collapses it all into one summary tab and then you can just reopen them if you want to. I rarely end up reopening them, but you can see all like your previous sessions. I find that incredibly useful. Like before this call, I was like, oh, I need to one tab it so that it's not running over every like it's not using up too much of my laptop power and actually I've just bought an Asus Sendbook which isn't a digital tool but it is incredible if you are an ADHD person because it has a screen that I'm looking at now but it has a screen above the keyboard as well so I can have my to-do list my schedule in the bottom screen or my social media tools and things like that and then have in the top screen whatever I'm working on so it works better with my brain to be able to see all the things at once. But yeah, I'm absolutely in love with that at the moment. Awesome. Yeah, I've, I've heard one tab a few times and I'm like, I know I need it, but I'm like, I'm going to miss my tabs. But I mean, really, I keep so many open that, I mean, eventually I don't even go back to a lot of them that I leave open. I like have this thought of like, oh, that's a pretty website or I want to sign up for this lead magnet and then I don't do it right away and I just leave the tab open. And then eventually, like I said today, my we've been having our power flicker and I've had to restart this computer two times and I'm like, oh yes, restore tabs. Give me them back. <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? But I definitely find when I tap it, I probably only open two or three things. I'm getting better at like you were saying about things to sign up for. I'm getting better mm-hmm. at adding those to Sansama or emailing them to myself. But yeah, it's a, it's a balancing act. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's a lot of when it comes to productivity, anything I see that's geared towards productivity, I'm like, there's so many different ways to make productivity work for you that if what works for one person may not work for everybody. But I love hearing different ways that people use tech tools and become more productive because I know I've realized in the last couple of years that I have these huge rushes of productivity and creativity that can last several weeks. And then I'm just 
I can't focus on anything. I have, I'm pushing every task back because I just don't feel like it. It's a struggle to get anything done. And I think that was one of the misconceptions I had about ADHD. I was like, but I have most of the time I'm really super productive and like hyper-focused. So I was very uneducated that that doesn't mean I don't have ADHD. There's so many myths out there. And actually, I know people have a go about TikTok and say, oh, it's trying to get everybody to diagnose it. But actually, I have found TikTok the most educational place there with some really honest points of view. And I think it's really important that we talk about these things. I'm quite honest on my Instagram about it. And I've actually had several people who have gone on to be diagnosed after they've seen my stories about it. I had a lovely message today about somebody about it. And it is genuinely life-changing getting that diagnosis and realising that you're not wrong all this time. You feel like you're doing things wrong or you're not reaching your potential and all that kind of thing. And I think it also allows you to let go of the expectation to do things the neurotypical way, which I think can be really, really hard. But actually, when you get to embrace doing things in a neurodivergent way and doing things that are fun and doing things the easy way. And actually, one of the things I loved in your group last month where you did the challenge, I loved that every week you had different challenges, different tasks. And we get beaten over the head with this idea of doing consistency, consistency. But mm-hmm. actually, showing up doesn't have to be the same thing every week. And I loved the way that you did that. And you made it so fun and exciting. And I got so much out of that challenge. And yeah, I think that's a really nice way to do business. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I love the challenge. It went so well. And I mean, the comments I got about it, I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely brainstorming the next one. And I think it's going to be like really focused on getting leads, for example, or getting sales. And it's going to be the same. Like every week is going to be different. Pick and choose what you want to do. You don't have to do everything because we're all different. We all have different time commitments that we can dedicate to our business every week. But yeah, it was super fun. And I I love having things laid out. And I feel like it was also a little bit of a accountability. Like, oh, everyone can see my score. <laughs> I can't slack off. <laughs> It was. It was really fun. And it was a, like a bit of competitive element, which is always a good thing. Yeah, it was really fun. That's awesome. So what are some tips? I know. So when we have these periods of like zero energy or we're just like struggling to do the bare minimum on our to-do list in our business, what are some tips on how to get what you need to get done when you have zero energy, but you still have things that have to get done? I think it helps to understand the different levels that things can be done at. Like, for example, with your social media, it's useful to know what is the very basic you can do. What is kind of when you're feeling great and what is like high energy? And it almost helps to have that broken down into like a table or something. So then you can refer to it and go, this is something I can do whilst lying down on the sofa. Like this is low energy. So like, for example, On Instagram, it could be creating a reel on Canva, which takes you five minutes, you know, animated background, some kind of wording over the top. Very basic, very easy, or even just having a stock of them. But also, if you're in a job, you're going to have times where you're going to coast. And I feel like freelancers or entrepreneurs don't feel like they're allowed that luxury, but actually you need that luxury. You can't be going 100 miles an hour all the time. And I know in my membership, they talked recently about the wintering approach of not really setting any goals until spring equinox because that kind of winter period is it's hibernation time essentially so I think embrace 
that you're going to have times of rest and what is the minimum you could do during those times and maybe write a list of low energy tasks actually i think i I have somewhere on my Instagram actually a while back. I had business tasks for Bones Day and No Bones Day based on that pug on TikTok who was talking about whether he had a bones or no bones day. So maybe it's worth having a energy, no energy list of things that you can do that you can refer to rather than having to panic. You can just go to that list and refer Mm -hmm. to it. That's a really good tip. Yeah, I didn't even think of it when I, this season has definitely been energy draining and I've been in hibernation mode a lot more than normal this winter and this new year. And I had all these exciting plans for January and I didn't actually feel like starting them at all until I'm starting to get into the swing of things now into February when we're recording this. But yeah, January, I was still majorly in that, that hibernation mode and I wish I would have realized it sooner, but I, I scheduled, batch scheduled so many podcast interviews for January. I was like, oh, I'm going to get them all done and recorded. But I mean, some days I had four interviews scheduled and I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm already at like an energy level 25 out of a hundred. And now I have all these interviews that I'm going to be at zero for a lot of days this month. I think also we only see ourselves as worthy if we're being productive. I think that's even more the case if you are ADHD and you've been told you're lazy, etc. So therefore, anything that's doing something is better than doing nothing. And we don't value rest. So society, I'm reading a book called The Book of Rest at the moment, which is really interesting on this topic, but we don't value rest and it is something we need to prioritise. But yeah, I'm equally guilty of adding lots of things into Future <laughs> Me's diary and not really thinking, what if I don't have the energy for that? Mm-hmm. so yeah it's hard I guess part of that yeah is thinking especially as an introvert like do I have the energy to do all of this peopling yeah and especially looking forward because I know even even then too I said yes to probably more virtual summits than I should have that are happening in February March and April and I had to record all the presentations in January <laughs> based on the oh due dates God. so <laughs> instead of me looking at when the event was, I should have looked at, okay, when do I actually have to do the training and record? Because that is actually what drains my energy. I'm promoting the event is fine. That's no problem. I can do that for my coach. However, doing the actual like content and outline and slide deck and then making time to actually record it that's what actually is really challenging and draining for me. So from now on, I'm definitely going to look at the due dates instead of the actual event date when I say yes and commit to something. (laughs) That's smart. Yeah. I don't know about you, but one of my ADHD things is I don't read the instructions or (laughs) longer instructions. So yeah, that's probably something I would do as well. I would look at the date and not think the full thing through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please use bullet points more, everyone, in your longer email, especially if there's a lot of important information or due dates and important things to know. It would be very helpful. Yeah, bold. I'm fine with the bold. Color coding it. Yeah, even better. I love that. So I know you do one to one coaching and mentoring. I know you have the freelance business lounge. I'd love for you to share a little bit more about how. If somebody's listening to this and they're like, oh my gosh, I need to work with Emma, just a little bit more about what it looks like to work with you one-to-one or a little bit more about the the business lounge. 
Yeah, so if I start with the Business Lounge, so it is a ongoing membership. It's currently £30 a month. It's very friendly, very informal. Like sometimes we rock up to the calls in our pyjamas. It's not like a strict professional place. It's designed to be somewhere where you can be imperfect and be vulnerable if you need to. But we have sort of twice weekly calls and Voxer time. I know you're a fellow Voxer fan as well. And then all of my courses and resources are in there. So all my email templates, all my, I've done summits in the past, everything is in that bundle. So there's that. There is, I've got a number of courses ranging from 30 Days to Go Freelance, which is for setting up to how to find clients quickly and easily. And I've got like a legal bundle on there. And I've got quite a few more this year because I'm moving from Teachable to Podia. So I've got some lots more coming up for that. And then with the coaching, I offer two kinds. I offer one-to-one, which is kind of the traditional Zoom coaching. And it is all about helping you build a freelance business that works for you, works to be your brain, helps you with goal setting. One of my big rules with goal setting is don't make all of your goals hard. You can make some of your goals easy. So yes, it's those are kind of the traditional coaching. And then I do Voxer coaching, which I absolutely love. And then I have a package which includes both of them. I know the introverts definitely love the Voxer office hours and Voxer coaching. <laughs> I love it because I just love, I've got... One of my clients who she does it on the walk back from her school run. I love that. And I've got other ones who will talk to me whilst they're putting away their food shopping or their cleaning because it's that body doubling or even ones that will just pop on and go, look, I've got half an hour this week. I just want to get this done. Can we do that? And then we can chat. It's just that lovely accountability. But also I think the biggest part is having that space to just talk and not feel like you have to immediately pass the tennis ball of conversation back, have a a conversation volley, basically. And it is very freeing to be able to talk for three or four or five minutes about what you are thinking. And often that will lead to people going, oh, actually, having talked this through, I've realised this is what I want to do. They'll solve their own problems. But I love that it gives people a space to talk without being interrupted, because how rare is that nowadays? Mm Mm-hmm. I just shared, I started using, I know we mentioned it earlier about how Slack has audio messages that you can send to yourself or send to your team. I finally started using that and I started sending my VA these messages and I sent her one last night about this big issue that I discovered with like adminwise, the back end of my membership. And I was like, I kind of remember us talking about this like six months ago. Do you happen to remember anything or how we were going to fix this or And then after I sent the message, I was like, oh, wait, now that I said all of that, I think I remember. And I I know what we were going to do. And yeah, it it helped me figure it out, just sending that message to her and talking it out. That is essentially what coaching is, is just having the space to verbalize things and let your subconscious take over, isn't it? And, And then finding the solution that perfectly works for you rather than someone else, like a mentor, telling you what the best thing to do is. Yeah, I love that. Well, this has been amazing. I loved chatting with you. I love everything you shared. We're going to have all of your links in the show notes. So if anyone's listening to this and wants to connect with Emma, we'll have all of her links to her membership, to working with her, her podcast, and her social media links in the show notes. And yeah, thank you so much. Was there any final words or anything that you think we missed or you wanted to share or or the most important takeaway you want people to have, I guess? I think the most important takeaway is I want people to allow themselves to look at tasks and work out how to make them more fun because 
that is a game changer and you are allowed to have fun as a freelancer and an entrepreneur. I love that. Yes. We're building our own businesses. They should be fun. (laughs) Every task isn't fun on the surface, but I love that you shared ways to make it more fun. I think that's just a brilliant way to make your energy match the task without like just push it, continuing to push it off because you just don't want to do it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was amazing. And it was great chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode may have ended, but there are ways we can stay in touch until next time. You can join me at thetarareed.com, where you can find tons of blog posts and resources that will also help you grow your business. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at introvertcoach, where I share more introvert-friendly and service-based business tips with you. If you love what you're hearing, drop a five-star rating and review telling me what you are loving about the podcast so that I can continue to encourage as many introverted entrepreneurs as possible. Until next time, keep using your introvert superpowers.